1: Generation Anthropocene is supported by Stanford School of Earth, Energy, and Environmental Sciences. Find out more at earth.stanford.edu. We're also supported by Worldview Stanford. You can find out more about Worldview at worldview.stanford.edu.
0: 4.6 billion.
1: The Earth Forms.
0: Cambrian five hundred and forty-two million. Complex life explodes. Permian Triassic. Two hundred and fifty-one million. Ninety percent of species die. Cretaceous tertiary sixty-five million.
1: Meteor kills the dinosaurs.
0: Fifty-five million. Primates appear. Two point three million. Pleistocene. Two hundred thousand. Humans. Twenty
2: thousand. Agricultural. Two hundred and fifty industrial
0: revolution. 60. Great animals. acceleration. The anthropocene. Welcome to Generation Anthropocene, where we usually tell stories of people, the planet, and people on the planet. I say usually because today we're leaving Earth for a voyage of exploration and discovery. Space agencies all over the world use instruments on satellites to collect waves from space. As it turns out, oftentimes researchers convert those waves into audio as a way to better understand their observations anthro producer Miles Traer scoured through these collections, and today on the show he's going to take us on a journey through our solar system. Here's Miles Traer with Sounds of Space. What time is it? Is it what time?
2: I recently went to a field next to the Chabot Space and Science Center in Oakland, California. It was night, and I made sure to be there on a new moon so that the sky would be as dark as possible. There's something hypnotic about the night sky. The solar system is impossibly big. The largest planets are hundreds of millions of miles away, and the nearest stars are measured in the distance light travels in a year. These scales make it really hard for us to experience the cosmos in any meaningful way. Most of us are familiar with the solar system through sight. We see beautiful images captured with powerful telescopes. But humans are deeply sensory creatures. We learn best when we combine our senses. And while taste, smell, and touch are beyond our reach, we can actually listen to space, to the planets, and to the stars. And when we listen, it excites a different part of our imagination. The celestial chorus reveals the personalities, if you will, of these places we yearn to travel to and explore. So let's travel the cosmos and experience space as a soundscape. can't exist in space. Sound is a mechanical wave that travels through a medium like air, and there is no air in space. It's mostly a vacuum. But there are non-mechanical waves that travel the cosmos. With carefully tuned instruments, our spacecraft can detect electromagnetic radio and plasma waves that don't require a medium like air or water. Their presence, frequency, and amplitude are how scientists learn about everything from planetary interiors to weather patterns to the behavior of magnetic fields. In short, these waves are how we learn about the things we cannot see. We begin our journey at the sun, the power plant of our cosmic neighborhood. The sun's radiation keeps our planet habitable with light and heat that make life possible. That energy begins in the solar interior. Because scientists can't see into the sun, its sounds are extremely helpful. The movement and amplitude of the waves tell us how superheated plasma and gas convect and drive the solar dynamo. By speeding up 40 days worth of data from NASA's Solar and Heliospheric Observatory, we can listen to our sun. This pulsing melody represents solar oscillations, or vibrations. Much like how geologists use seismic waves to image Earth's interior, solar scientists use these vibrations to image the sun's interior. As we traverse the inner solar system, we pass Mercury and Venus. Sadly, too few satellites have visited these incredible worlds. While we have beautiful images, we lack the same rich soundscapes for Mercury or Venus as we do for the other planets. So next on our journey is the most familiar stop of all, Earth. But Earth's soundscape is unique because of us. Our most powerful radio signals pass through our atmosphere and out into space. On one rare occasion, The NASA Polar Satellite was flying along Earth's magnetic field, and its plasma wave instrument picked up a radio broadcast of a human voice. To some outside observer, our planet might well be getting louder. And it's these types of signals that we need to learn to hear if we hope to someday identify intelligent life on other planets in the universe. As we keep moving by Earth, we approach a belt of radiation trapped by our magnetic field. This is called the Van Allen belt. And it has its own unique chorus. Each chirp and whistle is created by energetic particles flying high above the planet. It's striking how something so intangible as a magnetic field can sound playful, like something you might expect in an ocean. In 1977, NASA launched two Voyager spacecraft equipped with instruments to measure radio and plasma waves. Before the spacecraft left for deep space, they turned around and recorded these sounds, what are often referred to as the voice of Earth. Out here, removed from our powerful radio bursts, we can hear the voice of our planet. The comforting hum and the occasional gentle whistle set against a sort of cosmic white noise. Our next destination is perhaps the most studied outside of Earth. Mars is home to many satellites, landers, and rovers that map its surface, teach us about the early solar system, and the existence of water on another world. But for all of the objects we've put on Mars, surprisingly, none of them had a working microphone. But scientists working with the Opportunity Rover converted the measurements from its accelerometer into sounds so we can listen to the terrain as we, too, explore the Martian surface. The harsher the sound, the rougher the surface. The quieter the sound, the smoother. makes me smile. Some people find these clicks and rumbles creepy, but for me, it's exciting because it's a reminder that we're there, on the Martian surface, right now. More and more, we learn that early Mars was a lot like Earth. But somewhere around 4 billion years ago, its internal dynamo stopped spinning, killing its magnetic field and forever changing the planet. Parts of the Martian surface still represent this time, and these sounds transport us back into the past, to the early solar system recorded in the changing terrain. We leave Mars now for the largest planet in the solar system. It will take us much longer to reach, more than three times as far as we've just traveled to get to Mars. The scale of Jupiter is hard to comprehend. It orbits the sun nearly 400 million miles farther than Earth. It's so big that you could comfortably fit over 1,000 Earths inside of it. But those numbers aren't really that helpful to experience Jupiter. The sounds are somehow easier to comprehend. They don't have as many zeros attached to them. This is Jupiter. Jupiter doesn't sound like the inner solar system. And it shouldn't. It's fundamentally different from the rocky inner planets. When we listen closely, we can hear the startling differences from the song of Earth. The gas giant Jupiter somehow rings, like a glass bowl echoing through space. Humans, at our very core, are storytellers. Throughout history, the night skies fueled our imaginations. We're a species of authors and philosophers, scientists and artists, each using our collected knowledge to tell stories about ourselves and our world. Long ago, humans looked to the heavens and found a tiny orb of light encircled by rings. They watched it cross the sky— and noticed that it moved with a longer period than any of the other celestial bodies. This is why Saturn became known as the god of time. Today, we can use measurements from the Cassini satellite to tell equally astonishing stories about the sixth planet from the Sun. As we approach Saturn, we first cross its magnetic field. Like Earth's, it acts as a giant shield against the powerful solar winds. As the winds hit, they create something like a sonic boom, a powerful blast that was recorded by the Cassini satellite. This isn't like the soft tones of Jupiter. This sound is much harsher. But as we get even closer to Saturn, we begin to hear something else. isn't terrain like Mars. Saturn is another gas giant without a discernible surface to set foot upon. What we're listening to is lightning. images give us some sense of Saturnian weather and storms, it's the soundscape that reveals the details, the powerful bursts of lightning hidden from view beneath Saturn's clouds. Let's now take a slight detour to Saturn's largest moon, Titan. Other than Earth, Titan is the only other body in the solar system with stable flowing liquids on its surface. But the giant lakes and rivers aren't filled with water. They're made of liquid methane and ethane. In 2005, the Huygens lander detached from the Cassini satellite and traveled through Titan's dense nitrogen atmosphere. Its microphones were on as it descended. When we really listen, what at first sounds like static is actually gusts of wind. The sounds of nitrogen swirling around the spacecraft. Getting softer and softer as Huygens approached the surface. As we continue on further from the sun, we rely on a single spacecraft for our cosmic soundscape. Voyager 2 is the only craft that has ever visited the outer planets. In the outer solar system, the soundscape slows down. The sun's light is just a small fraction of what it is here on Earth. Out here, it's cold. The first ice giant planet we encounter is Uranus. ammonia and methane ice make its atmosphere the coldest in the solar system, minus 224 degrees Celsius. Voyager's photographs show the planet to be a featureless orb of greenish-blue. But its sound isn't constant. Its chorus shows us that Uranus is also a dynamic planet. Like Saturn, Uranus has rings, and they have their own music emanating from a combination of electrostatic waves, radio occultations, and dust collisions. the planet vertically, not horizontally. For reasons unknown, Uranus seems to have been knocked on its side. The only time we visited was in 1986, and there are no missions planned to return. These sounds remain the only way we have to experience the ice giant other than images taken from Voyager and the Hubble telescope. It took Voyager another three years to cross space and reach Neptune, the planet farthest from the sun. Neptune is home to some of the most powerful storms in the solar system, with supersonic winds. Yet the sounds remain somehow calmer out here. From this distance, our home would be nothing but a speck of light in the Neptunian sky. As we prepare to leave the solar system, be on the listen for two whistles. These harmonic oscillations will indicate that we have passed the heliopause, the region of space where our sun's solar winds can no longer overpower the stellar winds of the surrounding stars we will have entered interstellar space. But before we leave the solar system, we look back at that speck of light. We use the camera on Voyager 1 and snap a photo looking back towards our home. Even at this distance, the sun still dominates the image, shooting rays of light scattering across the lens. But suspended within one of those rays is what the late Carl Sagan called the pale blue dot and as we speed quickly toward the very boundary of our sun's influence, toward the edge of our solar system, Dr. Sagan will conclude our journey.
1: From this distant vantage point, the earth might not seem of any particular interest, but for us, it's different. than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known.
0: Our show is produced by Miles Traer, Leslie Chang, and me, Mike Osborne. If you want to know more about the sounds we used in this episode, we'll link to some resources on our website. Our theme music is by Maserati. We want to thank Pam Madsen, Dean of Stanford School of Earth Energy and Environmental Sciences. We also want to thank Tom Hayden. This episode was recorded at KZSU Stanford 90.1. Our website is genanthro.com, and you can find us on Twitter, at GenAnthropocene. Thank you, as always, for listening.